As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. You there, listening to this podcast, <laughs> please pay attention. This is a podcast of the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. This show is Zach on Film. You can't hear Zach right now because this is a silent picture with synced sound effects. Your show will begin in three seconds. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Zach on Film this week. What's up, Steven? Hey, Zach. How are you? I'm, I'm doing just, just fine. So you've had a couple of weeks. We had a week off. Yes. You've had plenty of time to watch the entirety of the Charlie Chaplin classic film, Modern Times. You could say that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did that same thing when I was, uh, I think I was like 20, 19 or 20, and I was going to a party that was uh, 21 and over. Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, are you 21? I'm like, yeah, if you say so. <laughs> and they're like, are you sure you're 21? Yeah, you said so. So, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch the entirety of this film? Uh, sure, if you say so. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the question should be, was my intent to watch the entirety of this film? And which I would answer, yes. Did... Apple's 24-hour rental policy stopped me from watching the last 11 minutes of this film, I would again answer yes. But you got the general idea of... Yeah. Did your research, you watched the I watched little, the, uh, and I, I watched number. the singing that I missed. Okay. It's all up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Modern Times, what is this about? Uh, Modern Times is a Charlie Chaplin movie mm -hmm. starring this character who is quite famous, who I forget his name. Charlie Chaplin? No, no, no. The, the, little, the, little, the little Tramp? The Little Tramp. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's what they call him. Uh, so it's about him and uh, uh, getting a job and being a bum and kind of like the uh, e economy and stuff. Okay. Being so toward stuff. Okay. So this movie comes out in 1934. 19th, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, it comes out during the age of... Talking Pictures. Talking Pictures had already been out for four or five years. Right, right. I mean, we right. had that with a jazz singer, and everyone knew that it would work. And yet Charlie Chaplin refused to release this movie as a quote-unquote talkie. Yep. Um, which is fascinating because he did say that the synced sound was okay, mm -hmm. but he really thought that his character, The Little Tramp, which audiences around the world had loved, um, they thought that it would deteriorate the international appeal 
or the universal appeal, I should say. Right, mm-hmm. if he spoke any if English. He, if he spoke any kind of English. Sure. Or any kind of language. It's understandable. You know, if you're in France and you see this little guy up there wiggling his mustache and doing his cane bit and mm-hmm. doing the Pratt Falls, you think French. I mean, you kind of think about sure. the artist. Remember the yeah. movie that we talked about not too long ago mm-hmm. where your mind is totally blown at the end because all this time in your mind, this actor speaks English. English. He's an American, right? right? And so I think that that was kind of a wise choice on on Chaplin's part. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, I, and Rodrigo, jump in and tell me if I'm diving too deep here. The title of this uh, movie is Modern Times and Dealing with Modern Technology. Right. And here is a character that for the longest time is industrial revolution uh, uh, type character Mm -hmm. uh, moving into a modern time where we have electricity and where we have motion pictures and where we have all of these things. And so he remains silent. And for the majority of the picture, except for the singing number, all of the sound effects come from technology. Right. The turbines make noise. Mm-hmm. The record player, instead of having a guy come in and explain how this um, mobile food machine works, they're having a record player say, this man is John Smith. He has right. invented, you know, all of these kinds of things. And even when we hear the owner of the factory talking, he's not talking face to face with any character. He's talking over a projected television device. Right? Right, right. right. So one could argue that this is a great balance in showing that all the sound in this talking picture is mechanical sound hmm. mm-hmm. and not real sound. Right. And, and that may be what the point of the little tramp is, is here's somebody who's having to evolve. And the way Charlie Chaplin decides to show that this evolution is by keeping all the characters silent, but having the technology bring us forward in the story. Hmm. And did you get that at all, Zach? Uh, no, I did not delve into uh, what, it the, meant by the certain thi- yeah the themes of certain things mm-hmm. only having sound yeah go back and, and watch it again oh I'm sorry your rental expired huh. <laughs> um but when you get a chance go back and try to watch it again and notice yeah. that there are a few times where it doesn't where that kind of falls apart the biggest one is the the singing number at the end yeah but going back to the fact that the tramp is a uh, silent character. His song, the gibberish song, mm-hmm. are not real words. I mean, it's just gibberish that Charlie Chaplin is, is spouting out um, to great success. So even in the fact that you, we hear Charlie Chaplin's voice, we still don't understand it. We still don't comprehend right, what right. we get in this And piece. it still makes that universal appeal, like you said, of the character where it doesn't, he's, he's not from anywhere now. He's just a normal right. character. Right. You made a good observation about our opening shot of this uh, film and how that leads into the rest of the yeah the I, th- I mean I started the film and uh, there's just a really quick and it's probably three seconds or less shot of just a group of sheep being led into a pen or a slaughterhouse or you don't really see but and then there's one black sheep in the middle and it's super quick and then they it fades into shots of people coming off the subway I think uh, yeah or the factory or someone going, into going the factory. the factory or mm-hmm. something or pretty much just you kind of just see the meld of the sheep and the humans like are the same thing in there, Mm -hmm. but it never comes back again. It's just really quick at the beginning and then it kind of just plays out. And so I think there's one black sheep in there, which I think we can uh, associate to be the tramp throughout Mm -hmm. the the film because he's, he stands out amongst everyone else at the factory. He's kind of loopy and crazy and does weird things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I thought, because when you think and you analyze the film about, what it's trying to say about the modernization and, and industry and stuff uh, does 
that I mean that shot led me and you you kind of start analyzing it through the movie through that shot. So if you take out that beginning shot of sheep and the black sheep uh and you just go straight into people bustling into a factory does the theme of the movie kind of dissipate or is it still you think have the same tone? No, oh, no. I think it I think it absolutely does. I think that um uh even though he's like a little weird guy, I think we're meant to identify with the little tramp. Mm-hmm. I think what he was saying is, in this modern hustle and bustle world, this is what we're all doing. We're all just trying to keep up. Yeah, and, we're yeah. Just, and we are sheep ourselves. Right. Um, one could argue, coming out in 1934, we're starting in the Great Depression, uh, middle of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and people are doing anything they can and are willing to do anything they can so that they can keep their factory jobs. So we see... Charlie Chaplin on the assembly line, just ratcheting it away, mm-hmm. even though the the owner is like, increase it 20%, increase it 50%, and everybody on the line is just, you know, sweating and, and doing anything they can because they want to keep that job, and Chaplin is the one that ends up breaking uh, in this piece um, and uh, gets caught up in, literally gets caught up in the machinery yeah. of m- the modern um, times. Um, I, you know, I think you're right, Rodrigo, in, in one sense that the, without the sheep allegory at the beginning it still would hold up, but I think it kind of is reemphasized or sure, hits home sure. even harder saying we are all just these sheep being led to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. All of us, you know, what are, what are we doing uh, with ourselves? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. uh, industrialization, um, one of the big themes of, 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 uh, those that, uh, of authors and, uh, filmmakers and, and people that kind of have an anti-industrialization look or, or, or people who are leery of it is that, is that loss of individuality, it's that um, idea that the little guy gets forgotten, like mm-hmm. the individual gets forgotten so that everybody can uh, kind of have, like instead of uh, some people having a good life and some people having a bad life, everybody just kind of has a generally mediocre life. Right. You know, that uh, assembly line scene. Yeah. It's a great gag. Right? Oh, I mean, yeah. He's just sure. constantly trying yeah. to keep up and look and see where that's played out a hundred times before. The I Love Lucy gag. In fact, there's some show on the Disney Channel. Some and kids... by before he means after. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came after. But before us. Right. But before sure. Zach. Yeah. Um, so I Love Lucy mm-hmm. has done the same thing. There's a there's a TV show, some kid show on the Disney Channel where they're going and making pizzas off an assembly line and they're doing the exact sure, same sure. gag, assembly line gag again, yeah. again and again and again and again. So there's a lot of, um, when you talk about evolution of comedy, or maybe you're going to talk about it, um, we start to see some of these things including mm-hmm, mm-hmm. charlie chaplin roller skating around and getting very close to the edge and falling oh yeah we see those kinds of gags come up a lot <laughs> um uh in other comedies years later yeah i mean i think comedy uh much like any art uh gets recycled and you see things of the past regenerate and come oh, back sure. around and around and around and again because uh, I think, I mean, there's this, there's this part of human nature that things are funny. I mean, as mean it is, is someone falling down is funny. Oh, sure. I don't, like why? You're it's just horrible. sick and wrong. Sure. Zach. Sure. No, I Somebody agree. Somebody could get hurt. I agree. Uh, but that's funny. And so, uh, I, I think, uh, a lot of comedies in this area, I know we watched, uh, was it like duck soup and stuff and, mm-hmm. and this, I mean, they, they hit home to, I think what humans kind of find funny and then, I mean, Other we kind of ch- we just keep going. Well, yeah, sure, sure. 
So let me ask you, did you find this movie funny? I mean, oh, I watched gosh. it with Rodrigo, yeah. but I can't trust his judgment because he was high on the goofballs at the time. Yeah. And his, uh, his laughter may have been clouded <laughs> by, that, uh, by that sick, sick uh, devil Percocet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, this movie I thought was absolutely hilarious. I laughed the entire time. It was so funny. Well, what, I mean, what made it funny? What, where's the humor? Uh, I mean, here's a guy who has a mental breakdown, yeah. gets thrown in an institution, <laughs> comes out, gets caught up in a riot, and people think that he is the leader of a, the local <laughs> communist party, sure. gets thrown into Normal jail, uh-huh. uh, stops a, a, a jail break, yes. realizes that he can't cope in the real world, and is trying to do everything in his power to get back into jail so he can lead the comfortable life. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime... He runs into this young girl, weirdness that we have to talk about there, and they fall yeah. in love with each other and they live in a shack down by the river. Yeah. While they're being pursued by police. Sure. Yeah, that's all funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think a, uh, a couple of the gags, it's like the assembly line stuff and the, the when he's walking around the dance floor with that plate of food over his head. Right, right, right. Is, is that stretching out. Mm-hmm. Of funny where it's kind of funny the first time and then just keeps happening over and right, over right. again and it just keeps getting funnier as I think that that's part of it and just um, physical humor um, I don't think gets used as much anymore or um, maybe that's I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't have the same clout definitely. sure sure we were talking earlier about um just before recording, we were talking about a funny story about Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey is somebody that does a lot of physical pratfall yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is somebody more recent that we see doing? I mean, Dick Van Dyke does the sure, sure. trip and fall. Yeah. Of the cow, Chris uh, Farley did a lot of stuff. Chris Farley right. does some of that or did some of that. Um, um, why is, the, again, is that something that still holds up today? That was one of the questions that you had pondered. Would yeah. Charlie Chaplin today be as funny as he was back then. And uh, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. I don't know if he would, knowing the movies that I've gone to see recently that are funny. I mean, uh, last one of the last movies, a couple funny movies, humor movies I saw this last summer were Bad Grandpa right. with uh, the, the jackass guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the end with Seth Rogen and his friends mm-hmm. and The Heat. With Sandra Bullock and right. Melissa McCartney, right? And those movies, I don't feel like are that similar to modern times at all. I, mean, I guess maybe well, I was going to say Jackass is probably, probably the closest, closest that we have yeah. to the physical right. comedy yeah. type stuff, and Jim Carrey with uh, the stuff that he does in uh, uh, Ace Ventura, yeah, and, and those kinds of films. Um, but I, I mean, wonder though, there's a lot of sophistication in what Charlie Chaplin is doing, and yes. I think I think you may have a even greater appreciation of Charlie Chaplin. If you've seen things like city lights or the kid, uh-huh. um, uh, what's the one that's the, uh, where he goes up North and he has to eat a shoe. Um, <laughs> I, I do not know. Is. I'll have to look it up here in a second, uh, but there's a lot of sophistication yeah, going on underneath the, the comedy and humor, but you watch something like dumb and dumber or right. dumber or whatever the dumb Two, whatever no, the, the sequel is going to be. That one. And you're like, ah, this is not, I mean, this is there's no sophistication right, right. And, in that and that's, kind of a film. And that's the thing is, um, back before there were talkies, all the only game in town was that sort of physical humor. Sure. And so they had to be really good at it, and it had to be really well done. 
And there had to be something to it. Nowadays, mm-hmm. the physical humor is almost an excuse not to have to write a scene. Yeah. To a certain degree, as like funny, funny things happen. Okay, then the movie continues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think I think you're right about the sophistication of it because I mean, if we look at the the real uh, physical humor of the day, I think Jackass is that. But that's like a totally non-sophisticated, right? Going as far as we possibly can and hurting ourselves in the weirdest ways and doing the eating weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it is like the evolution of physical comedy to a point where we can't do that kind of comedy anymore because I think people would just say, oh, you're trying to ape this guy or it it, Mm -hmm. it just seems too old. I think, I'm sure our listeners could probably come up with some good examples. I mean, again, the uh, only time that I can think about a Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther movies is probably pretty close. Here's something to think about. Um, Almost every animated movie will have some sort of like hilarious scene where people are getting hit over the head right, with right. boards uh, and pans and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, right, you, right. you went to see Frozen mm-hmm. recently. Did it have yeah, a there's scene a lot of, there's a lot of, where uh, a hilarious side kick, character kick gets... To, kick to the head, yeah. uh, slapstick mm-hmm. falling down, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, yes. I mean, that that kind of humor is alive and well in uh, in cartoons, oh, in, sure. in children's programming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, the assembly line gag is on some recent Disney television show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I the brother-sister are trying to... I saw an assembly line gag in uh, My Little Pony. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. Uh, the movie I'm thinking of, Gold Rush. Uh, oh, okay. They go north to Alaska, too, or the Klondike to uh, cash in on the gold, and then nice. he so well has to eat his shoes. Great, great uh, <laughs> comedy routine. Um, keep keep going with what what you had uh, coming up next. Uh, oh, oh I know. It, it's a technical. It's a technical thing. This is what I was going to say. Yeah. Originally. Uh, silent films were shot at 18 frames a second yeah or and or 24 frames a second played back at 18 frames a second okay. and so that's where a lot of times when we see old pictures it looks like people are just running super super fast yeah uh, if you've seen keystone cop kind of stuff they're like jittery yeah they're kind of jittery and they move really 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 faster than normal um when this movie originally released they played it back at the 24 frames a second shot at 18 and so it does look very quick yeah and so that heightened a lot of the comedy the versions that we watched or the version we watched on iTunes um, has fixed that to where it's not okay. sped up humor. So what the sped up action. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing is the real chase, the real mm-hmm. everything that's going on as it was filmed. There was one part that I want to bring up that I thought um, when uh, uh, him and the girl are sitting on the grass and they like daydream about their house. Right. Right before that, that couple walks out of the house making them think of it. Right. And I thought they looked really weird in the way they moved. I don't know if it was, uh, I couldn't tell if the film was being sped up because they looked fine, but it seemed mm-hmm. like they were like really jittery. I didn't know if it was. Maybe it was a it, result it, of modern time. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like a, 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 well, a, a they were just a, really like, bad actors. Well, I mean, that could have been it, or I didn't know if they were trying to say something about people in the area living in these houses and stuff. I do remember that they stuff. were over-exaggerate everything. Like yeah. The woman was, well, goodbye, husband, right. goodbye. Oh, you know, the arms to the right. chest. Oh, and twirling around and running back into the house. Like, oh, I can't wait to... It was a really yeah, <laughs> terrible yeah, yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking you about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, then you had another theme or idea that, that popped up in this as you were watching it that, that you wanted boop, to talk boop, about. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, nose powder. Oh, yeah. nose powder. That was a very funny scene. And cause, and it's, so tell us about what, well, so, what happened. So uh, he's in jail, 
Right. And Trump up charge, mistaken identity. Right, 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 right. So he's he's in the cafeteria, and they show they cut away to some cops. They need to find someone that's smuggling in some some nose powder nose in powder, quotes. Yes. And so, oh, I know what they're saying. They're they're talking about the old the old white powder, the the, the cocaine. Right. And so they they cut to a guy next to uh, the tramp, and he pours uh, a lot of white stuff into a salt shaker at the cafeteria. They yeah. take they take the drug fiend away, but he's there and he what needs to salt his food. Unfortunately, he just dumps a whole lot of cocaine on his food <laughs> and he goes bonkers. Yeah, yeah he goes, it is unbelievably way. funny. Yeah, yeah. So this is a somewhat controversial. Um, we mm-hmm. had talked, I don't know, many many episodes ago about. Um, the uh, Hayes Commission mm-hmm. and the motion picture um, rating system that was being developed. One of the things that was in the Hayes Code was you do not glamorize, you do not show people using drugs of any kind, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. marijuana and cocaine. Um, and so there was some issue of whether that scene would be left in the movie or not. The... I guess the out for Chaplin was he had used a gimmick very similar to that with cocaine or nose powder many years before in another one of his films. And people kind of knew that it was the humorous take. And so they allowed that to go through in this piece. Okay. But this is right in the middle of this time where you don't do anything that is wrong, suggestive, immoral. Right. Uh, and um, also during this time, we start to see the rise of these love stories where good triumphs over evil and the, and uh, everything turns out well in the end. Um, but this was, yeah, did bring up some controversy at the time. Yeah. I, I, I assumed it would. And going back to uh, like the assembly line joke that goes on, have you ever seen the movie Corky Romano? No, uh, I, I've, no. Yeah. From, mm. That's the head shaking in the car thing, right? Head. No, uh, same guy. Same oh, okay. That's uh, Night the Roxbury. Oh, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a scene in Corky Romano where he's an undercover agent, and uh, a bag of cocaine rips open, and it gets all over his face, and his eyes go all buggy eyed and everything, just like in this. And then he has to go give a speech to like a grade, like a classroom of kindergartners <laughs> and stuff. He just goes insane talking about how we should buy a boat and stuff. And it's like it's a meaty thing. I I thought of this when this started happening. Oh, that's where Corky got it. Yeah, I mean. Uh, you see a lot of these stuff, and 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 to a certain degree, you know, the assembly line stuff probably was pretty new. It was a pretty good new joke at the time. Mm-hmm. But some of this other stuff, even for Chaplin, it isn't. I mean, some of this stuff has been around since vaudeville or yeah, before. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially going back to vaudeville, there's a great scene in it. Maybe in the kid, or maybe in Goldrush. I forget which one, but it's the one where he has the two potatoes, and he's sitting there, t- two potatoes on a fork, and he's got his chin resting on the fork, and he starts doing this little dance routine. Mm-hmm. That's an old vaudeville number. Uh, that was put mm-hmm. on onto this piece. You touched on something, Zach, that I think finally has clicked after all these years of me grousing and griping about kids these days don't uh-huh. have an appreciation for the things that they're seeing mm-hmm. because they don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. And I just heard you, Zach, say, <laughs> now I know where it came from. I knew instantly where this was yeah. borrowed from. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Also, it's midnight and it's Zach's birthday, so he doesn't count as a kid anymore. Oh yeah, that's right. So uh, I kind of wish can you still, you can still complain about kids these days. Yeah, I kind of wish you had watched the kid. You had picked the kid instead of um, Modern Times or City Lights mm-hmm. uh, instead of Modern Times because technically this one is a talkie mm. as opposed to a true silent film. Yeah, and I think if you watch the kid, 
Uh, and you probably should because you'll be crying at the end. Is it sad or because it's funny? Oh, it, no, because it's sad. Aww. It's really sad. I think I I'll think spoil though. it for you. It's about the tramp uh, hooking up with an orphan urchin kid on the street, and they form a very unique bond. And at the end, oh, not really hooking up. No, 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 no. Like they're like hanging like out. Their buddies. They're, they're buddies. Yeah, you yeah. know, okay. he becomes the kid's father in a okay. sense, and they do everything together. And it's a real father son story. And then at the end, the cops show up and say, "I'm sorry, this kid's an orphan. He's got to go to the orphanage." And they're just yanking the kid out of Charlie Chaplin's hands and throwing him back in the in the uh, bus with all the other orphan kids and the kids just crying his eyes out and screaming mm-hmm. and uh, Charlie Chaplin's crying because it's, it's really a sad moment. He can't do anything about it. Was he an orphan? Charlie Chaplin in real life? I don't know. Because I mean, that was go... a, that was a thing that came up in, in this modern times mm-hmm. when the social security takes away the two girls away from the, the street lady that we follow out through the whole movie. So, I mean, Talking about no, his that, parents, it seems like it, it talks of... about here that his parents were music hall entertainers. Um, his mom was the daughter of a shoemaker, so they were they oh, were okay. around okay. in his in his time. And you have to think that Charlie Chaplin got into vaudeville. I mean, his career spans seventy five years from a very young child in vaudeville all the way to there's I think two more movies after this. Um, the Dictator is probably the next biggest one that people are going to re- remember him, mm-hmm. and I think that was his last movie. Um, before his death. And mm-hmm. so all this time of being in entertainment and show yeah, business and seeing it evolve from mm-hmm. the stage to the silence to uh, a big to do to the mm-hmm. point where, and if again, if you want to watch some good Charlie Chaplin, I mean, all this stuff is really good. Uh, the dictator is another one where he totally satirizes without saying Hitler, mm-hmm. without naming Hitler, he totally satirizes Hitler and the Nazi party and ended up on Hitler's death list. Oh uh, gosh! Yeah, it was I mean Charlie Chaplin, the you, Three Stooges. Yeah, if you think about the um, the time period, he's this is topical yeah, comedy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing. I mean, they don't use the swastika, uh, but they use motifs and costume design mm-hmm. and schemes that are very reflective of the Nazi Party. And there's this whole thing where the dictator Hitler mm-hmm. uh, is playing around with the world as a giant balloon, and just you can tell that this dance number is all about him, his desire to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Very satirical, makes fun of uh, Hitler, um, you know. Which is another thing when when you want to when you want to this is brought up on another couple of podcasts. When you want to make somebody evil, you draw the little Hitler mustache yeah, on him. Yeah. And yet Charlie Chaplin, you look at him and you're like, well, there's nothing wrong with Charlie Chaplin with the little Hitler mustache. I would say, yeah, he, got, he came in before the thing and I don't, well, now it's that, ruined forever. That, that style was very popular <laughs> well, yeah, at the time. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how uh, truthful Michael Jordan the, does it again. Well, I think Michael Jordan's trying to uh, have like a, like it comes down from his nose and over his lip, but mm-hmm. you can't oh, okay. see it over his lip. Oh, okay. yeah. But yeah. Um, I don't know how truthful the Chaplin movie is. Um, the, his biopic. That mm-hmm. I think. Oh like yeah, Johnny with a, Depp. No, no, it's no. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. That's what it is. Um, and um, where somebody's asking him what he thinks of Hitler, and he gives him this like kind of hilarious response. He's like, "And also, he stole my mustache." <laughs> <laughs> That's why Hitler didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, if you have, have you not seen uh, the Charlie Chaplin biopic with uh-uh. Robert Downey Jr.? No, this came out in man, I want to say like. 91, 90s, sometime early oh, 90s. Wow. Okay. Uh, go check it out. It's really good. Oh, it's wow. a real good biography. Um, shows the ups and downs. I mean, Charlie Chaplin's life is, if you want to talk about how a, a true independent filmmaker, I mean, at one point, mm-hmm. he and Mary Pickford and 
crap, who was it? They went off and formed their own United Artists, United Artists, United Artists right. uh, pictures, which is still around today. And they're just like, screw you. I don't know that it's still studios. around today. I think it might have Oh, did finally, it go out? Yeah, <laughs> finally gave up the ghost? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I know they said that he was like a perfectionist. And since they had his own studio, he didn't really care about budget as much. Mm-hmm. And so he would just take as long as he wanted to to make his movies. Oh, yeah, so there are some, just... there's a story in it. Well, and that's, in the, in the... That, was the, that was the idea behind United Artists is uh-huh. to lure basically film makers rather than to then then churning out pictures to make money yeah, right. Douglas Fairbanks Mary Pickford right um but yeah it was just hey all the time you want um and the studio system will pay us instead of us working for the man yeah you know how it is Zach working for the man I know I know it every day yep. are you one every of those blind sheep <laughs> probably <laughs> blindly led to the slaughter <laughs> one day Zach will go crazy and get caught up in a giant like Yep. DVR. Well, you should you should look for that to happen soon. Yep. <laughs> now, one thing about that that is good about this specific movie is that it's very transitional in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Not just that it has silent parts and also parts where there's actual speech, uh, but also kind of in some of its techniques. For example, there's a lot of kind of vaudeville-esque slapstick stuff, mm-hmm. but also they use a lot of camera cuts. If you look at something like Duck Soup, you'll just have like yeah, the, the scene, like a, a, a wide shot or something like that, and there'll be very few cuts while they're doing their routine. Right. In this one, you know, they get sucked into the machine, and they'll cut to a different part of the machine where you see the guy like... Yeah, you have to get, you know, wound, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. wound down. So they're actually using all these film techniques kind of to enhance the theater techniques. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I, I found that pretty interesting. Then again, I, like I, like Steven said, I was tripping out, so that might not have happened at all. <laughs> and, and so people aren't uh, worried that Rodrigo has a problem that we need to get him into Betty Ford about. He had just had his wisdom teeth taken out that morning yep. and was on some painkillers. And we, while I was waiting so he wouldn't choke on his own vomit, uh, <laughs> I said, hey, how about we watch this? <laughs> and so we sat and laughed and watched. Uh, I was like, ah. <laughs> and Stephen's like, that's just the thing on iTunes. I haven't, I haven't started yet. <laughs> that Charlie, Charlie guy kills me. <laughs> Stephen, you're my best friend. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I have a question. I might have an answer. And you guys can ponder this because it does somewhat, I mean, it disturbs me, not disturbs me. I guess I don't have a problem when there's huge age gaps between romance, right? I mean, uh, you know, 70-year-old dating a 40-year-old or a, a 40-year-old dating a 20-year-old. But here we have Charlie Chaplin, undetermined, or I'm sorry, the tramp, undetermined age, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, dating or with this waif girl who was still living at home with her father and her two younger sisters after the mother had died. Uh, Paulette Goddard, um, really a beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm trying to figure out what her age was. She was born in 1910. This movie came out in 34. So she would have been in her 20s yeah. uh, in this role. But does she come off a lot younger in this piece? Because for some reason I kept thinking, man, she's like 16. And Charlie Chaplin's like doing, in a, or the tramp is doing inappropriate things with a 16-year-old in this film. Well, that's that's an interesting uh, question because let's say for a second that she did look sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think that was the age of consent back then. It may have been, yeah. So even then, for the time, it's not inappropriate. You can consider it inappropriate now, certainly. But I don't know. I got the sense that she that she was kind of just a weird girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
acted like somewhat youthful, but was also like taking care of her sisters and her dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she's an she's an orphan, and the, and yeah. the whole point why why the police are after her is because they're wanting to haul her off to the orphanage. That's right, right. And you think if true. 16 was the age of consent, why would they be so concerned about hauling her off to the orphanage? Well, because she still wasn't an adult. See, the, back back in the day, those two things weren't uh, the same thing. <laughs> what? In fact, some places, I mean, there's some states where 16 is still the age yeah, of consent. Yeah, and sometimes in, younger. In the, yeah. I don't know. She's she's of legal age here. It just at times seemed a little, yeah. little bit too creepy. Yeah, I could say you say that. But again, maybe back then, it was very common and people were like, oh yeah, you know. Susie, sixteen-year-old Susie, down yep. the street. I mean, but, but the tramp doesn't look really that old in the in the film. Really, right. you I also mean, have to consider that he dresses in like a top hat and a coat, <laughs> right, right, right. But that's right. how everybody dresses. Sure, then. sure. Or not a top hat, but a, like a little bowler. Yeah, hat. But his is more comical than everyone else. Like, he was born in eighteen eighty nine. Eighteen eighty nine. So, do the math, so a, eleven years plus thirty six. So he would have been. Oh wow. You know, fifty. Yeah, wow. Pushing fifty, forty-seven. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought that he was that old in that movie. Nope. He did not die until nineteen seventy-seven. It's like ninety years, something yeah, like that. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight years. So, wow. There you go. Yeah. Well, she died in life. like nineteen ninety. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. So she she lived a pretty long life too. Nineteen ten to nineteen ninety. Fantastic. Years. Eighty years. Yeah. So. Look at those people. All right. What else did you uh, come up with, uh, Zach? Oh. I really thought the digital noise. screen, yeah. What's the, that? That was a weird noise. Oh, yeah. Oh, I really thought the the, the digital screens were, were interesting. I mean, because we're talking about a 1930s movie, yeah. and they're like, oh, you know, we, you know, it's totally going to make sense. Put a, a, a television-like screen in the yeah. middle of a machine. Yeah. In the, or a, a projector. Right, right. I have a security system with a, proje- a giant, like, 80-inch projector in my office. So it's like the future watching. Yeah. Kind of like today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, that's something that I found a little jarring because the movie starts out in this factory pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And the machines are very stylized. Yeah. Art Deco. Uh, sure. stylized. Mm-hmm. There's all these, um, screens all over the place where like the boss can look at you and stuff and things like that. And there's like electricity and, mm-hmm. and, and everything going on. There's a, but then when they leave the factory, everything looks normal. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the factory is the future. The factory is where people want to get their jobs. I mean, uh, honest, again, if honestly, you think about what's I, going on before, we're an agricultural society mm-hmm. with um, the Industrial Revolution taking over. That's that's modernism. Mm-hmm. The factory is the future. Farm and city and department stores are kind of this staple, this past thing, this old thing. Mm-hmm. So I think, and again, I still think that that may be part of the reason why there's such a stark contrast between the two. I, I think I think the main reason is that they blew the budget on the Art Deco <laughs> machines. It, it reminds me a lot of Metropolis, and yeah. right? I mean, if you've seen, oh, yeah. have you seen Metropolis? Oh, you're talking about yeah the silent no, film. Metropolis? I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think I've seen like ten minutes of it on Netflix before. Okay, that's probably about all you need to see. Oh, it's pretty crazy if you yeah. ever watch that in full. Um. Isn't it like alt miniatures and stuff? Oh, yeah. The special effects that they do in... If we wanted to just talk about the evolution of special effects, we could start and spend an entire hour just talking about Metropolis and how in some shots to make things to get a greater depth of field and make them look like there's the sets are larger than mm-hmm. they are. They're actually shooting into a mirror with the set behind them so that they got... So that they have even greater distance between 
the film plane and oh, wow. the miniature because when you shoot through a mirror you don't have just the distance to the mirror you also have the distance from the mirror back to the subject right, right. that you're shooting for so you could create these great depth and these cool things that they were doing with with mirrors and with fades and and just with everything it, it, it's really really fascinating if you do an in-depth analysis of that when you said Metropolis, for some reason I thought Gotham, and I thought you were talking about the Tim Burton Batman movie. Which also uses a very yeah. lot of gothic art. But then, I, but then mm-hmm. I figured out what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But really, those machines in that factory, not efficient at all. No one should be able to slide through your gears. No. <laughs> it's like, those gears aren't doing anything. They're, they're specifically designed for a human to slide through them. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and uh, doing his own stunts, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That that I mean, sliding through the gear scene was just like from a set thing was just awesome. Yeah. Do you think they could do that today? Oh, yeah. And make it work and make it believable? Uh, well, mm. yes, I think I think they could. But you'd have it would it would be different. Today's audiences, you need to make different allowances for them. Mm hmm. You couldn't just build that exact same set and play it that way and, mm-hmm. and do it that way, but you could do something similar. You see a lot of the people about to be f- caught up in the gears of some giant machine mm-hmm. at the end of movies. We see that a lot in cartoons yeah. a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, like, there's, like, a 10-minute scene in, I want to say, Attack of the Clones, where oh. they're just, like, running around. Oh, yeah. On the conveyor belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Jadosha. Yep. Yep. Got some associate producers to thank this week, Zach. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, like and I think I'm our, the one drinking. Our associate producers, Matthew Floyd, Jason Foreman, Hunter Graham, Joshua Keller, Zachariah McAllister, Mark Burback, Michael Bowen, Melanie Naselrod, Tress Taylor, and Michelle Retner. Thank you for being associate producers on Zach on Film. What makes this film, then, culturally historically significant that why? it's really funny well behind beyond that <laughs> oh, i mean there okay, has yeah. to be a reason sure, why sure. they want to preserve this film and say that this is one of the greatest films ever made and we have to do everything in our power to protect this film well i mean we looked at the artist and the artist got uh really good reviews like won the academy award for best picture and it was a film in the modern era looking back and stylizing uh, a style of film that's long dead. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't make silent films anymore, really. Uh, so, really, Charlie Chaplin kind of did that in a sense, in that the things have been changing. Uh, people are talking in movies now, but he said, "We don't need to. Like, we don't have to advance to still make good films. There's no reason we don't have to. Like today, we don't have to make everything CGI. We don't have to. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be a special effect. We can still do practical things. Mm-hmm. And so I think I mean that's maybe that's a part of it that he recognized that sound does have an importance in film because I mean he still syncs sound with a lot of things, but it doesn't have it doesn't have to be done that way. Film doesn't have to be made a certain way. You don't have to keep up with the times. You can still uh, look back to where you started and just make a film like that. Okay. Is that a good reasonable? I think so. Um, honestly, I think that uh, at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, there was this anxiety that that appeared in humans mm-hmm. because city living is fundamentally different and uh, working in an industrialized 
uh, situation is fundamentally different from what we were doing before. And I think that when you watch this movie, there's something that's resonant about it. There's something that's still true today because technology keeps moving forward. Technology keeps changing. You know, nowadays, you know, we're talking about uh, robots delivering your groceries for you. Right. Which Mm -hmm. seems crazy. Right. But just like back then, having a uh, boss that appeared on a TV screen to yell at you seemed crazy, but happens today. Right, right. Or Um, having an automated robot feeding you food. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same, like, I I think the reason why this movie is worth preserving, and and I think some of the rationale behind that, is that even though it was made way back then, it's still very, very resonant. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, look, the economy is bad. The economy is going to be bad again. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, as as we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you you walk into this movie thinking, like, if somebody somehow managed to trick you into saying that's not actually Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> um, that's Bruce Willis. That's that's somebody like doing a good Chaplin impression. This movie was done last year. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think about it. You might just be like, oh yeah, yeah, they're talking about like the economy being bad and how people can't find jobs mm-hmm. and like factories being unsafe and stuff like that. I and mean, how that the stuff still goes, yeah. got accused of being the leader of the 1% movement. Right, exactly. Sure. Well, you know, they're talking about like um, a communist. yeah. yeah. Like a, a bunch of communists, which people sure are still will. tense about today. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that the another reason why it's considered to be preserved is this is a very good story. It's got some great, for at the time, very original comedy mm-hmm. that still holds up today. Yep. Um, I think if you went back and looked at some other uh, silent era movies, I mean, even Harold Lloyd, a lot of his films, which are really good, I don't think when you compare the two, they're both very good physical comedians, mm-hmm. but oh man, they are totally night and day. I mean, if you said, which one would you rather keep, Charlie Chaplin or Harold Lloyd, see a, see a Harold, see a speckled <laughs> guy. Um, so each of them have some shining moments, but I think we do have some examples of great storytelling, great visuals um, uh, tied together in mm-hmm. a very unique mm-hmm. way. Uh, and so I think that's why it's it still holds up today, and and why people want to preserve it, and yeah. why you should watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you did watch it. Uh, and I know you're talking about showing to people today. Roger Ebert wrote a review. They re-released it. He went Charlie Chaplin went through this thing. He wanted to re-release all of his movies, and so mm-hmm. they started playing Modern Times in theaters. And he said in Chicago, it like this is in the 70s. It sold out like four nights in a row. And he said people, every woman just thought it was hilarious, and then like all clapped at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I I think. That's 40 years after the movie was made right. and still resonate with people. Um, I think it might still get a similar reaction today. I think it would get a very similar reaction yeah. today. Yeah. I mean, have you watched The General yet? Nope. Uh, I think you've watched parts of it in one of my classes. The Possibly. Um, that is a Buster Keaton movie where he's mm-hmm. going after the little engine, the, the train during the Civil War. It's the one where the house falls down and the uh, right around him. You listen to Critical Hit, we actually tried to do that gag one time. <laughs> uh, it's not ringing any bells. The house falling down thing sounds familiar. Okay. It's right. been done a lot. Since okay, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I was yeah. maybe I'm just thinking of Including anything movie. Hit. Yeah. Um, now, the general has some, has some like, amazing scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, like, he, there's, there's a scene where he's, like, sitting in front of an engine, and mm-hmm. there's a log, like, blocking yes. the track, 
He's got another one, and he like throws it and bumps the other one off the track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like this is all happening. There's well, like, like yeah, no yeah. special effects here. Yeah, they blow up a bridge and have a real train crash down into the river. What yeah. the heck? It's, it's great. It's, <laughs> if you haven't seen the general, go watch the general. I mean, there are a number. I mean, this is probably as close to the silent film as we're going to get, uh, unless we really dive deep. Well, I. I don't know what's on the list. There's well, some, I mean, there may be another Birth silent film. We did Birth, Birth of a Nation, Nation, but I mean, really getting into some of these and Birth of the Nation, just there for the sheer spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. when you go in and look and see Lloyd and Keaton and Chaplin and even Laurel and Hardy with what they're doing, all the physical comedy, there are no stuntmen, right? right? They are doing it themselves, no, that, putting I themselves mean, that, at great risk. That scene where he's like skating. Yes. In, yeah. In the, in the mall. In the mall yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I kept looking to go, is that a matte painting? I was thinking the same thing. But no, I mean, you look at, I'm not sure that they just literally put him in that much danger. Maybe they did. Maybe uh, it was a mean it, it, it might have been cushioned below that, but yeah, yeah. That, I think that's a hole. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's actually that's a hole. Down the banister down off the and, yeah. and just he just does that whole scene. And it's like, it's always amazing to see like when you get to this thing and you expect that there's going to be this like cut to a mannequin mm-hmm. or that you're like, Oh, they're building up this thing and it's not actually going to happen. And then it actually happens. I right, mean, right. He's just doing all these crazy physical things. And it's mm-hmm. actually kind of the same thing with this little song and dance number. Mm-hmm. It's like when it starts and he starts dancing, you're like, how's he moving like that? <laughs> <laughs> At least I was, I was like, his feet are pointing in the wrong direction and he's like moving like randomly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I mean, just the physical. You, you, go watch the go watch the general. Okay. Go and watch um, the hell's the Harold Lloyd one that I just watched with my son not too long ago. Is that the one where he's climbing a clock. Yeah, so where he's climbing up the clock. Um, just go watch those, and I think you'll get a big kick out of them, Zach. It's, I'm sure it's I worth will. your time and worth the money to see this good, wholesome humor. Yeah. Is that, that safety it, last? Safety last. Yes. That uh, that features nose powder, nose powder as a big gimmick in the film. I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy those films. I really do. Um, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Like, well, then, a whole lot. Then go back and go back and learn. Go, but go to your local library. I'm sure they have it on DVD that you can rent. Yay! I think some of these movies are in the public domain, so you might you might even be able to find them on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of next week, you're out or not out. Um, of the public I'm going to say <laughs> probably a 95% chance out. Okay. So we need to do something different. Yep. A lot of people really liked the live commentary of your, um, uh, what the hell's the name? On Whatever it is. The, the eye cutting <laughs> yeah. uh, movie. Oh, I um, forgot how early in the movie that happened. Oh yeah. It's, it's like, like, it's it's like, like 45 second. seconds. <laughs> I think you need to find another very short public domain movie maybe there is a, a short uh chaplin or buster keaton short subject okay that uh you can do another one of those for next week all right i'll do some digging and we'll post them up online and the way it worked the last time is we've got a camera on zach and he's just reacting to what he's seeing and talking about it yeah and at the same time you can play the youtube movie that he's watching mm-hmm. and they're kind of in sync with one another and you just watch it uh and it and it plays out really well it's kind of like bonus tracks uh, if right. you don't know what bonus tracks is, uh, are, these associate producers, these people whose names we were shouting out earlier, uh, they are our gold members and uh, silver and gold members over at members.majorspoilers.com get access to a monthly bonus tracks where we sit down and provide live commentary to a movie. And you can watch that movie 
at the same time and hear mm -hmm. us discuss it. We've done Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Back to the Future. We've done Dungeons and Dragons, Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, the list is going to go on and on and on. As all we the continue classics. All the classics. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, that might be something for people to check out and maybe give get a little taste in uh, sure. what Zach is going to maybe do for us next week if he has time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll dig in there. We'll find something. There'll okay. be something for you fans. And, of course, uh, the associate producers, those gold members, getting their names shouted out in this show or over in the Major Spoilers podcast. So yep, another benefit absolutely. of uh, helping Major Spoilers out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's going to do it for this week on Zach on Film. Make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find that podcasting posting page and give your thoughts about modern times. There's some Charlie Chaplin and uh, what scenes, scenes did you like from the movie. Uh, while you're at Majorspoilers.com, make sure to click on the Amazon.com link where you can do all of your, your holiday shopping on Amazon. But a little bit of that money will come back to Major Spoilers. won't cost you any extra, but that little bit will help keep us going week after week, giving you so much, so much free content. Uh, so next week, look for something on the site for a little commentary. And after that, we'll be back next uh, sometime with a Zach on Film. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.